and it, and it prepares them for the new jobs that are coming, the ones that aren't even really there yet, have been invented yet, right? <laughs> um, because those are happening all the time, and and it prepares them for that that working environment to where they can take what they've learned with us, such as the analytics or whatever, and place it directly into their their job right then, right now, and right now. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Kimberly McCorkle, Provost and Senior Vice President for Academics at East Tennessee State University. From the moment I arrived on this campus, I've been inspired by our faculty, their passion for what they do, their belief in the power of higher education, and the way that they are transforming the lives of their students. This podcast is dedicated to them, our incredible faculty at ETSU. Hear their stories as they tell us why I teach. In this episode, we will talk with Dr. Kelly Price from the ETSU College of Business and Technology. Dr. Price is a two-time graduate of ETSU and helped lead the creation of our highly popular master's program in digital marketing. She's also a three-time recipient of the College of Business and Technology Excellence in Teaching Award. Enjoy the show. Dr. Price, thank you for joining me today. Did you ever imagine when you were a student here at ETSU that you would return as a faculty member and lead one of our most popular graduate programs? It's so great to be here with you today, um, Dr. McCorkle. What an honor it is to, to get to sit and talk with you about something that I love so much. But to be totally honest, no. <laughs> I was too busy as an undergraduate anyway with my classes and my sorority um I was in Sigma Kappa while I was here and my friends and and all of that stuff but ETSU was such a great place it is such a great place to be for a student so Mm. so to be honest no I didn't imagine I was going to be a faculty member but I did know even back then in my youthful days that I had wonderful professors here and they've stuck with me for years um so I'm, I'm very lucky I, I even, just to, to move forward a little bit on that, is that the two professors that were my favorite, I got mm-hmm. to work with um, uh-huh. recently. One retired, but I'm still working with one, but I get to work alongside uh-huh. of two of my favorite professors I had as an undergraduate. So Great. isn't that crazy? Yes. <laughs> it's awesome. I like to start my podcast out with the same question for every guest. Take me back to your first day of teaching at ETSU as a faculty member. Looking back on that day, what is one piece of advice that you would have given yourself? I think this is such a fascinating question because it, it really makes you reminisce and think and reflect about um, my first day. I haven't thought about my first day in a long time, but it's been, what, 15 years or so now. So I'll use a golf analogy. Do you play golf? No, I wish you I did. You rollerblade, is that I do. right? Yeah, yes, I, do. <laughs> I would totally break my neck if I did that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I didn't know you should try it. I bet you'd be really good at it. But I'll I'll use a golf analogy that, you know, golf is such a mental game. And you can go out and play and and you hit a certain shot on one day and then you go back the next day, same shot, Mm -hmm. but it's a little bit different. The lie may be different. The weather may be different. So you're standing in the same spot, but it's still a little bit of a different shot than it was yesterday. And when you're faced with that shot, you either are going to play it safe or you're going to play the risky play. Mm -hmm. You know, which one are you going to do? (laughs) And no matter what, though, you're still playing by the rules. You Mm -hmm. still have rules that you got to go with. So I think the advice that I would have given myself would have been a golf piece of advice 
that you still got to play by the rules, do what you're supposed to, play the lie you have, though, and <laughs> do the best you can in, in that position. And, and as my mom, who is a golfer as well, will mm-hmm. say, just go for the flag. Wow. Go for the flag every time. And so that's how I would have probably said to myself, just, just go for the flag. <laughs> go for the flag. That's great. <laughs> Let's go back to the year 2014. That's when we launched our digital marketing program. And at the time, there were not a lot of programs that were focused specifically on undergraduate digital marketing. So talk to us about how the program started, what the goals were, and also how it has evolved. Sure. Back in 2014, I was so lucky because our dean at the time, her name was Linda Garceau, Mm -hmm. and she had the vision and just a real innovative, and she was a mentor to me. She kind of took me under her wing a little bit, and I learned a lot from her. And she asked me to direct it. Now, little did I know 15 years later after she left <laughs> and retired <laughs> um, that I would still you know, be, be moving on with this. But we had very little undergraduate or graduate pro- uh, curriculum at all in, in our, our department. But we started to look around and ask uh, the community members, practitioners in the industry, if you could hire a digital marketing professional, what would they need to know? And that's where it started. And so our goals ended up being to provide a curriculum that was innovative and new. Um, We wanted to prepare students for a fast-paced digital marketing environment, because that's what it is. It's changing all the time. And provide um, and produce, actually, dynamic and knowledgeable graduates. So it's evolved over time. We, We started out, what, takes a couple years to get a program off the ground so we went through all that and in 2014 we launched in the fall and over time we've added classes we've removed classes we have moved fairly recently actually to a seven-week format from full semesters Mm -hmm. to seven weeks which has been wildly successful so we're always continuing to reevaluate our program that's great yeah Tell us about how you converted your courses to a seven-week format. Sounds like that was challenging. It was. It was. um, We started the program with full semesters, but we realized that our students, you know, one of the things is they wanted to either go through the program as most efficiently they could, Mm -hmm. or plus we're seeing that as a trend in higher education anyway Mm -hmm. of these abbreviated courses. And I've done a lot of research on it. I've made some presentations on it. And, and the research is just showing that students are finding a lot of satisfaction in these seven-week courses. Mm-hmm. They're not less rigorous. They're not less quality. But it, as an instructor, as a teacher, I had to really think about, okay, I'm moving 14 weeks into seven. The big mistake that a lot of people will make is I'm going to take everything I had in 14 and squish it into seven, and we are going to cover every last thing. Right. And that just can't happen. Yeah. You have to really think about what's important mm-hmm. and what you want to give them and scale it correctly. Yeah. It's, it's been a benefit for us as faculty mm-hmm. that, that we're able to also have time to do some research, but it's also beneficial for the students mm-hmm. um, to be really focused in that seven-week course and then to be able to move on. And it does help them, not everybody, because the schedules differ. Our program is flexible like that, but that they have a little more control over how many courses they want to finish mm-hmm. in a semester. Plus, another one more last thing that's really good from an administrator standpoint is that our students they don't have to start in August. There's another touch point about halfway through October that they can come in. And that's awesome because my, my kid has 
soccer all the way through, <laughs> you know, whenever I've got a heavy schedule at work, mm-hmm. can I come in in October? Yes, yeah. you can do that. So it's, it's been beneficial all around. I've heard some faculty reflect that it helps them improve their course when they redesign it that way. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's made it more concise mm-hmm. and more or even more organized. And it's just, it's been wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I love a seven week format. So many of us have our own social media accounts. We, we shop online, but in digital marketing, it seems that there is more focus on helping students, not just use their social media, but a focus on how to elevate their brand strategically by using data and best practices. There's a big difference, right? Well, I'm sure, well, I mean, I've seen, I've seen you on social media and how, how you use it. Um, and, and I think it's done really well um, to promote, promote the, the university. But yeah, mm-hmm. but as a individual consumer, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different. And so, yeah, but social media, we have a course on social media, social media and the brand, mm-hmm. and I teach it. It's a lot of fun. But social media is just one tool in, in the whole digital marketing toolbox that it's 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 fun to understand the analytics so now here's where my consumer behaviorist is going to come out because that's my background my phd is in human ecology mm-hmm. and human ecology has to do with how humans react to their environments whether mm-hmm. it's man-made or manufactured or whatever physical but we have to understand the how and the yeah. why of consumers and so social like i said data is great but we need to understand who is generating those numbers and why they are generating those numbers. Um, So yeah, there's a big difference. And social media can be a pretty dark place sometimes, but it's also very useful in a branding sense. Mm -hmm. So teaching online became highly prevalent during the pandemic, but your digital marketing program is taught 100% online and has been. All of the courses you teach are online. So I would love to hear your thoughts about online teaching what are the best practices and how do you keep students engaged? I love this question because I'm the biggest cheerleader for online ed that mm-hmm. has ever been. Now, mm-hmm. if you went back and talked to me several years ago, because see, I talk, taught on ground for years. And when they said, you know, why don't you try online? I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I have my students and here we are. And yeah. uh, you know, all this type of stuff, yeah. but took the leap of faith mm-hmm. and did it. and. I absolutely love it. It's it's a challenge, but there's so much to it. You know, I've I've heard a lot of the hesitancy of online education. Mm-hmm. It's not as good. Mm-hmm. It's not as rigorous. But the research just doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. It, it says it's at least as good, if not better. Um, but it is a challenge. But uh, you know, you've got to be organized online and and have clear objectives, things like that. But I tell you the one thing that has been probably the biggest reason that I love online education that you have to have is professor presence. Mm -hmm. It's not good enough to go into a class and build it and hit go and then just sit back. See, that's why a lot of people think, well, online educators um, sit around in their pajamas Mm -hmm. all day. No, 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 um, we don't do that. But, but yes, we interact on discussion boards and, and I, make a lot of audios so the so that the students can hear my voice mm-hmm. and and that's important on every student they get uh, in my class anyway my students get personalized feedback and i write mm-hmm. on their their assignments oh this is really cool thanks so much dr p you know so mm-hmm. they know that i've had my eyes on their papers that's great. yeah and and so 
you've got to have that um, professional or the professor presence to to make that interaction. Mm -hmm. It can happen online. I've seen it over and over. In fact, I know my students almost better online because I know their kids and their jobs and their whatever. And you even have people who students online who will talk more to you than they Mm -hmm. ever would have in a physical room. Right. Yeah. Those boundaries are just gone. Yeah. That engagement that they have with the faculty member. It's heavy. And they will call you or talk to you at 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) They will, they will send you the email. So you've got to be prepared for that. (laughs) As you said, online teaching is challenging and effortful. So what advice do you have for faculty who are new to the method, this method of teaching? Yeah, and like I said a second ago, it's um, it was it was tough for me, and I know a lot of my even my own colleagues had a you know a tough time when we went to the pandemic, and we had to switch, and they had to switch that class over spring break, <laughs> pretty mm-hmm. much. And I just oh, I, I totally understand that, so I understand why that was tough. But yeah, as far as moving forward, you got to have patience. Mm-hmm. You have to have patience with the students, and you have to have patience with yourself because you'll make mistakes (laughs) I promise I have uploaded the wrong syllabus to the wrong semester and Mm -hmm. I mean just a nightmare the dates are wrong but I've you know you fix it and and to really listen to that feedback that they give you Mm -hmm. I had just recently a student give me some feedback Dr. Price I had of course they're anonymous but I had you for this class and and you made audio transcripts of everything Mm -hmm. why didn't you do it on this class and I was like I don't know, uh-huh. <laughs> but I'm really glad you said that. Yeah. It lets me know that it's worth it. Yeah. So went back and did all of that. So, um, yeah, just just a little patience That's will great. take you a long way. That's mm-hmm. great advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to go back to your digital marketing program. Uh, I would imagine that employers are looking for people with digital marketing ex- expertise, especially now. As you can probably imagine, most any industry mm-hmm. needs digital marketing. And uh, the jobs are out there, <laughs> and, and, and it's a strong job market for our students right now. So, mm-hmm. yes, um, it, it's, it's, it's something that can be used anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what kind of students are you looking for to be part of this program? Well, we're looking for really any student who has the desire to learn more about digital marketing. We, mm-hmm. As I said, we get students from all over the place education and food, um, sports, healthcare, because mm-hmm. they all need it. Yeah. But some of our students, and this is fascinating, are making huge jumps. Like I talked to a potential student the other day who's going to be in our program who was a middle school English teacher. Wow. And, you know, public ed is tough right now, and yeah. she's just ready to – but she was doing her social media for her school. She said, I really love this, mm-hmm. and, and I'd really like to move forward, and I've got the skill set. She could do this for education, you know, higher ed or whatever. So we're accepting her into our program. We're excited about it. it it's a, an attractive program. Very attractive. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a bit more about what your program prepares students to do. Sure. At this time, most of our students, not all of them, but most of them are professional, working professional, full-time workers. Mm-hmm. And so they have, as I said before, jobs and families and, and things like that. So they're trying to fit in education. So I'm so glad we get to offer a product like this from ETSU that is 100% online that is, quote, doable for them. They can fit it in. and But it prepares them, even as working professionals, for 
whatever may come next. Some of them come back to update their skills. Some of them uh, just sort of hold it in their back pocket until they're ready to use it. Mm -hmm. Um, All kinds of reasons. And it it prepares them for the new jobs that are coming, the ones that aren't even really there yet, have been invented yet. Right. (laughs) Um, Because those are happening all the time. Mm -hmm. And, And it prepares them for that that working environment to where they can take what they've learned with us, such mm-hmm. as the analytics or whatever, and place it directly into their, their job right then, right now, and right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you have a capstone course in your program? We do. We, it is taken at the very end mm-hmm. of, of the program. And generally what happens is um, my colleague, Dr. Shimwell, we're such a good team. Um, mm-hmm. He's my partner in crime in this, in this degree <laughs> program. And he's been here a long time. He was one of the professors I mentioned that I had mm-hmm. as an undergraduate. He's been a mentor to me for years. But he's generally the one who, who oversees this. And the student, and, and he will collaborate generally with something at their workplace they it's a project they're working on something that's practical and quote real real world you know as we say in academia (laughs) of non-academic and they're able to take that forward and use it what is your favorite course to teach my students will 100 percent know the answer to this if they (laughs) listen they're all raising their hand going concern behavior concern behavior I come from a consumer background mm-hmm. and uh, with human ecology and consumer sciences. And it's consumer behavior, the way I tell them is, is there another course in digital marketing or marketing that you could have without the consumer? Mm-hmm. Everybody goes, oh, no. <laughs> I'm right. like, so I've got a really good argument for why everybody in the world needs to take consumer <laughs> behavior. We are one, it's relatable. Yeah. A lot of my students will say, oh, that's what I've been doing. We're putting a name to what you do every day. Mm -hmm. That's why something like The Price is Right has been on for 100 years because everybody understands or has a relationship with price. It's Mm -hmm. consumerism. And consumerism will sometimes get a bad rap, you know, and... But consumerism can be a wonderful thing as well. But we have to understand the why behind those numbers. There is a person somewhere with motivations and attitudes and all those types of things of why they are buying something. And those generate the analytics. So me and my yeah. qualita- my qualitative self and, and the quantitative colleagues I have, we get to have some good debates uh-huh. on, I say, but why are they doing this? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I drive them just a little crazy, but consumer behavior is just my passion. I just love it. It's great. It sounds like such a fun course. Oh, it's yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's a little great. bit of psychology. It's the psychology side mm-hmm. of marketing. Really interesting. Yes, yes. What led you to want to become a faculty member? That's so funny because I, I didn't know I was going to be. <laughs> I remember this. It's amazing. It, it's in my mind so vividly. When I was in my graduate program here in the master's program in communication, I was sitting in Wharf Pickle. It was Dr. Roberts, and many people will remember him in his communication research course mm-hmm. and and I just remember sitting there going it just hit me I'm like I've got to go on mm-hmm. I've got to go get my PhD it just hit me yeah. and I could go back to that room right now <laughs> exactly where I sat <laughs> wow and and remembering that plus I, I come from a family I know a lot of your other your other guests have said this as well but I come from a family of educators a lot mm-hmm. of teachers we have five PhDs in my family wow. we're getting ready to produce another one um, my brother is a graduate of ETSU in history, and he went on. My Wonderful. mom is an ELPA graduate. My dad went here. 
and my sister-in-law teaches here. Yeah. So we're all over the place. <laughs> Thanksgiving can get very interesting. <laughs> One of my uh, PhD uncles is an astrophysicist, so I don't oh. know if you would call it interesting or boring, but <laughs> when we great. get together, it's, it's, it's something, and we uh-huh. all have you know goofy t-shirts on and and things like that That's and, awesome yeah so so I, it was a little bit of fate <laughs> i think so i would say so <laughs> the last question i have for every guest what impact do you hope your students will make on the world that is such a hopeful question mm-hmm. isn't it and we need that right now my mm-hmm. i've always said that my purpose as an educator mm-hmm. is to help my students find theirs mm-hmm. find their purpose And I truly believe that. I am a facilitator to them, that I can get them started. Here's some knowledge, now run with it. I just hope that they will find, and I can help them move on to to find their purpose in this world and to be happy doing it. I'm I'm not here to make their lives stressful, get in their way, stop them, any of those things. I'm here to make sure that you find your purpose and be happy. And, and it just really comes down to that for me. That's great. So inspiring. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Why I Teach. For more information on Dr. Price or this podcast series, visit the ETSU Provost website at etsu.edu provost. You can follow me on Twitter at ETSU Provost. And if you enjoyed this episode, Please take a moment to like and subscribe to Why I Teach wherever you listen to your podcasts.